Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. Yeah, I'm excited about today's topic. Uh, we are discussing, actually we're continuing our discussion um, of why leadership development programs fail. Uh, and as our listeners know, we dedicate a ton of time uh, and have dedicated a ton of time over the last few months uh, to this topic of leadership and leadership development. Uh, but now we're going deep into how organizations that are thinking about their leaders and thinking about how their leaders can contribute to the aggressive growth goals or just the goals for change that the organization has on its strategy docket, how they can um, think about developing those leaders in a way that they can deliver some confidence to the organization that the goals will be achieved. And when the goals are achieved... And they're done in a way that we like. We're all happy. We want both, we're right? <laughs> we want to get the results and we want to get there in a way that we enjoy. And right. uh, you can have both. Right. And after all, um, organizations are assemblies of leaders, people, and systems. You know, At the end of the day, it's about people and how we feel about the job that we're doing. Uh, so let's jump in. So let's talk about this idea uh, at, a, at, a, at a high level leadership development programs. Let's talk a little bit about that. And then let's talk about this word fail. Why do they fail? And in whose opinion and how do we how do we measure failure? Yeah. And we've all felt that feeling before where we've invested in something and it didn't deliver what we wanted it to. We've also invested in things and it turned out great. And what's more important than the investment that's being made in people, right? The, they are the vision. They are what it's all about. And how can we avoid these these mistakes, these pitfalls, but also make sure that we're not just avoiding the error, but we're capturing all the potential? Right, right. And so when we think about failure, we think about conversations that we've had with leaders of organizations who are unhappy with the programs or the investments they've made in developing their team of C-level executives including their VP levels and potentially even their managers with this idea of uh, normalizing leadership um, for the organization and the failure to deliver on the expectations that were set. So why don't we talk about um, what we heard from and what we've recognized based on our experiences uh, tend to be the major levers that we have to think about paying attention to to make sure that success is delivered. Yes. And, you know, I think it deserves a little preamble real quick on leaders that there there are some people out there that are never going to be happy no matter what happens. And they don't realize right. it, but they bring an attitude that sours the things that they're a part of. So in no way I know that we want to 
to set up a relationship with people like that because that's that's their own journey and unless they want right. to change but for people that want to make an investment leaders right. that want to make an investment in their teams and their in their you know workforce and whether the size of the organization is big medium or small what does it look like to be able to dive into uh, understanding what's the big idea have we okay. really captured what we're working towards or have we lost the plot and so we start the process off with this big viewpoint this big idea of what does success mean what are we going after what are we trying to achieve um we we know in today's world people are more overwhelmed and distracted than ever how easy it is for people that are one two three levels away from the executive team to forget the big idea and as much as people think they've said it or communicated it or painted on the wall you and i both know from experience how quickly right. it leaves right right so let's so so this is the we're continuing a theme here around meaningful success so number one um to me is a definition of meaningful success mm. and as we've discussed on other occasions one of the challenges with success metrics and the mindset of an organization and of individuals as they think about success or their personal definition of success is oftentimes it can be transactional. So we just think about the instant that we're in and, and getting something done. Um, but we don't think about the larger impact that what we just did can have on the organization. So what we want to do when we're thinking about meaningful success, in my opinion, Chris, I'd love to hear your, your feedback on this. We have to keep. Um, we always have to keep in mind the what happens next. What's the bigger implication, the larger implication of the work that I'm doing right now? Sometimes we have to lose a battle to win the war. You know, sometimes we have to take it on the chin so that we can we can ultimately bring the organization to where it wants to be, to deliver the vision that it has in mind. And if we're too transactional, if we're too if our actions lack empathy, if our actions are too um, narrowly focused, we can do more harm than good. And again, we can set ourselves up for uh, maybe short-term feelings of success, but long-term, we're not building the organization that we're responsible to build. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that this would happen in a similar conversation that you would talk about getting results and being empathetic and compassionate because people would think that those war against each other, those are those are these two places that we try to balance between all the time being a good human and getting the results if there is a meaningful vision a meaningful success to be attained then it's going to be something that betters the organization and the people so we're moving mm -hmm. in the same direction and we're all going to be better for it this is what we all want together this isn't an opposed agenda coming down from the mountain that is going to break your back right. and you help do your part and you might get some crumbs. No, there is this, and I like the way that you talk about it. And so it's this, what, shared approach. And, right. and when we walk with this shared goal, shared path, then we can come together to a vision that I'm going to give my best to because we all are. And we're all going to be improved by it. So as we go there, we can be compassionate. We can right. be merciful. We can do these things that in previous eras of leadership have been thought to be nice to haves. But we know that's not the case anymore. 
especially right now. <laughs> right, especially right now. So just to bring this into, into tighter focus, um, we're thinking about this idea of meaningful success. It's meaningful when it's shared by both the organization and the individual. So shared goal, we're going to walk that shared path. Um, and uh, it's a it's a definition that has to be grounded in the DNA of the organization. It can't be, to your point, something we paint on the walls but ignore. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the first rule for an effective leadership development program is to really have already an organizational commitment to who we are as a company, where we want to go, who we want to be when we get there, and then make sure that the leadership development program you choose is properly aligned with that definition of meaningful success and, of course, aligned with the way that you see or envision the organization being developed, right? Because leadership development is just one component of a larger development path that an organization has to follow. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's an easy example to use, but it's like if you teach everybody how to be the town crier, but yet we need everybody to be an effective boat builder, you've taught the wrong skill. And so we use this term leadership all the time to have this giant umbrella. Uh, and, and yes, we can give it um, a big definition that encompasses so much, but it has to fit within what is the overall picture? Where are we headed? What is, how does this add up to this picture of success that we're achieving? And so as we embark on this journey of meaningful success, we talk about what it means to break it down into a journey or a process. And when you look at the components of it, you start to find, oh, we can weave together with strategic intent uh, a journey, a process that gets us where we want to go. Beautiful. So let's think about the framework still focused on the organization. Let's think about a framework for the organization that can simplify this this process. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking I mean, for of specifically us, are the three stages that we yeah, talked about. Yeah, the three about. pieces. The healthy leaders. Yeah. That's where it starts. We got to have healthy leaders. And, uh, I, you know, I know both of us have done a lot of work on ourselves and obsessed over that for years. I remember mailing something to some postage to some person in Australia because they had like the most obscure research I could find on a specific weird topic of toxic leadership. So healthy leaders is the foundation as the leadership is healthy, as they understand, not perfect, no leaders perfect, how to be that leader that doesn't do it for what they can get out of it, but what they can give to it. Then we see the next piece, scalable teams, a team that we can build up as the organization grows, a team that we can scale with, a team that we can get the right people in the right spots. And from there, then it leads to the third component of a growth culture. And people want, you ask most people, they want a growth culture. Do they want to pay the price to get healthy in their leadership? Do they want to do the datatized assessment and work to get the the people in the right places, then we're going to see this growth culture happen. So you got to do the root work before you do the fruit. And that culture is powerful. I mean, because today we're talking, we, we think a lot about mission. We think about, we think a lot about community, but that culture is representative of all those important components. And the culture is led by the leadership team. 
right? I oftentimes say that you know it's impossible for a team to overachieve the potential of its leader, mm. right? You can't have a B leader and an A team. Um, the team is reflective of the leader, just as the culture is reflected of the leadership in, as an aggregate. Well, and that's the thing that you know is so powerful as we look at all that's happening in emergent organizations, what they call now DAO, decentralized autonomous organizations. Uh, one of the most recent presentations I've seen that I thought was really compelling, somebody, I think they worked at Google, that talked about organizations are more like a slime mold or, or more like slime. They're moving <laughs> in this direction. And so what it does is it it validates this idea that culture, the the ethos, the atmosphere, it's changing continually. It's got to be built every day. And that unless leaders wear the mantle of, I am a cultural architect, architect. I am setting the thermostat. I'm setting the temperature. Uh, it's going to be done in an unintentional way. Someone else is going to be doing that, and it may not be the culture you want. Right, right. right. So I think if I was going to if I was going to capture a piece of advice for individuals who are thinking about uh, leadership development programs, um, I would want to first make sure that the organization has a good idea of what they mean by healthy leaders, mm -hmm. what they mean by scalable teams, and what they mean by a growth culture. In other words, what do those mean to that company? Take those concepts and apply it in your business, in your industry, to the vision that you have set for your organization. Codify that first. And then what you can begin to think about is, okay, now what leadership development program can we invest in that will first deliver healthy leaders mm -hmm. who, again, their definition of meaningful success is shared. So a healthy leader will have, um, will be developed to operate and be successful both at the office as well as at home and every other part of their lives, right? Because we can't expect people to show up with different hats on all the time, right? It should be the same person showing up the same way every time, whether they're at work or at home or enjoying any other part of their life. Absolutely. Well, and I would say this way, same in character and values, but they may, because they're a dynamic person, have the ability to, as they say in different, uh, you know, sports or music or acting, they may have range. Healthy leaders that know who they are, they know how to play with a wide range, a skill set where they can bring what's needed to the moment rather than the ruts of their personality. But from a character and value standpoint, they're consistent. They, Their personal right. and their per professional lives do bleed into each other. You can't separate these as right. falsely some people have tried to do for a long time. Yeah, and doesn't, doesn't that make us authentic? Doesn't it make us more authentic at the office and more authentic at home? And doesn't that create better relationships all the way around? Absolutely. I mean, how much pain happens in personal or professional spaces because someone is gutting it out. Someone, you know, when somebody leaves working for a boss that they don't feel valued by, it's probably because that person has a hard time, a, a dysfunctional relationship with themselves, a hard time actually celebrating the other in a healthy way. And you know what? That's probably happening at home for them also. Um, and whether he or she or they is trying to get better, the person that says, you know what, I'm going to own this, it starts with me, which is why the journey starts with healthy leadership. You can't blame anybody else. It's your, it's your journey.
Beautiful. So the so number one, the organization takes its definition of success, reframes it as meaningful success, which creates the ability or now the requirement to have a definition that is shared between leaders and the organization. And by doing so, we can now have a framework for developing healthy leaders in the context of this definition of meaningful success. And then those healthy leaders can then help us do what we're paying them to do, build a scalable team where leaders, people, and systems come together to generate scalability. And then, of course, a growth culture, not just any culture, but a growth culture that can respond to, can anticipate change and turn that change into growth. So something yeah. very dynamic, agile, and functional, again, in the context of the organization's larger ambitions. Yeah. And, and awesome. that, that exclamation mark, that's what it's all about. You know, and too many people have accomplished something and then they realized, you know what, this didn't do what I thought it would for me. What's it all for? Um, they pushed so hard. They drove others. I mean, I had to kind of got, take myself through like a leadership AA uh, self-directed program years ago because I realized, Jimmy, I drove people to get the results and I made the results more important than them. And I think that's mm -hmm. why part of the reason I know both of us are so passionate about this journey is because we've had our awakenings and we need more. We needed to keep having them. But I literally called people and was like, look, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't have to do that. I felt like I was supposed to. I wanted to. But walking back through that, we got somewhere cool, but how we got there wasn't cool. And we got to have both. Yeah, you can enjoy it. Exactly. If you, if, you, if you follow a dehumanizing path, whatever achievement you have will pale, pale in comparison to, if, to a path that, where you're able to maintain that humanistic component. Because at the end of the day, what do we have, right? Bingo. If we don't have our relationships, if we don't have a, a good relationship with ourselves as well as the folks around us, what do we have? We have piles of money, we have our toys to play with, but at the end of the day, we all know. We've all seen enough stories, we've all experienced enough people around us to know that that is not what sustains us. And that's what I love about the moment that we're having right now, because you, people could have dismissed what you just said a year and a half ago. Eh, right. you know, but like the stats are in over <laughs> half of the people that are leaving are leaving, not because they want more money. And, and no doubt there are people that do because they want to feel valued. They want to feel like they have a pathway of advancement. They want to know that they're important, that they've got a place that they fit. And, you know, if, if you're exchanging people like movable parts and making them right. highly replaceable, right. you're not going to attract the best people. Right, right. Right. If you're still, if you still view yourself as the uh, monarch of your organization, where every one of your subjects is there to serve you and your goals and there is no reciprocity, then you are, um, you, you are a dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, you will not achieve your objectives. Um, and you'll, you know, you'll end up wasting a ton of time. You'll end up really um, harming a lot of individuals along the way. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't say that because uh, I believe my own bullshit. We've worked with over 6,500 CEOs and sales leaders over the years. 
Uh, we've studied 10,000 working sessions with these folks. I know this like I, as well as I know anything in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can see it uh, from miles away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, our job today is not to shame people, but it's, to, uh, it's just to simply create awareness. Yeah. And it's to make sure that the path, that you can recognize the path before you can't do anything about it. Yeah. And, and, and as you talk about raising their awareness, you, it's expanding their vision, raising their awareness to understand it's not just about becoming a healthy leader. Because then it's about becoming a scalable team. And if you're healthy, you can study, you can notice, you can pay attention. It's, I used this example a few episodes ago, but I love it. You know, my wife cares for the houseplants. She loves them. One starts to die. She moves it into a different spot. Right. It comes back to life. And you say, well, man, that's a tall order for a leader to have to know and study their people that well. Good leaders are focused on the results. Great leaders are focused on the people and getting them in the right spots. Now, what's awesome and what I'm so excited about, we've used it on our team, we've used it with teams and helped them, is there's a way to datatize that. There's a way to, to measure that and to not guess at it. Um, and that's the scalable teams part. Right. So if your vision expands, I'm getting healthy and then I'm getting right people in the right spots. They're gonna be fulfilled. Awesome, awesome. So we've talked about the most important of the four uh, areas that we want to talk about today, but this, this is important because it sets the stage. It sets the foundation for what's going to come next. Um, not only does, so let's, let's keep moving. Um, and I guess the idea that I want to make sure I, I talk about first is that knowing who you are and who you want to be, understanding your definition of meaningful success, understanding what healthy leaders, scalable teams and growth culture mean inside your organization is the first step. But that should dictate, as I mentioned before, the leadership development program that you end up choosing. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you have to think about is the alignment of that program with who you are and where you are and Mm -hmm. and where you wanna be. And these definitions that you spent so much time focusing. Now, it doesn't, this does not have to take you months or years to figure out. It can take a couple of working sessions the value, frankly, Chris, the value for me is that you're thinking about it. As an organization, you're thinking about it. You're challenging yourself with it. Whether you come up with the right answer or not, at least you put in the time. And at least you're building the muscles that will allow you to continue to evolve the decisions you've made and the ideas you've come up with over time without losing focus on what's most important. Yeah. Well, and, and that evolution or adaptability... Uh, and keeping what's important in view, you know, that's what's going to get tested continually. We're, we're not going right. to slow down change or disruption. I mean, I'm just blown away by, I try to keep up with a lot. I know you try to keep up with a lot and how some days my system feels flooded, you know, and, and, and even though I feel like you and I both live in that state of change so we can touch and feel it and we become... Uh, it becomes natural to us, just like things would become natural to our kids and their phones. It's so easy to get stuck in either extreme of that. You lose your way in all this change, or you just make the change for change's sake. And we know too many organizations that fall in both of those ditches. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I mean, making change for change's sake. um, And that's what ends up happening. Nobody goes in or very few people go into the idea, go into the process 
with that in mind, but that's what ends up happening because yeah. they they're just they don't execute a complete uh, change management system. Yeah, and not shaming um, people like you said, but like people will call us and we go, okay, well, what do you want to accomplish? What? Where right. are? And and honestly, as you know, we've talked about this in some of the other episodes. Like the enthusiasm I brought meant I skipped over some of that. And as I've slowed down to do it more and more, I'm blown away by how many people don't know. No shame. Right, That's right. okay. Let's figure it out together. We'll get there. Right, right, right. So pick the leadership development program that's aligned with your definition of meaning or meaningful success. Critical first step. The next three steps are, again, this is not going to be rocket science, I don't think, Chris, to most folks, but it's rocket science in the context that it's almost never thought about. It's almost never thought about um, by the leaders who are investing their time and effort in these development programs. It's also never thought about by the practitioners mm-hmm. who sell their programs. And I and I have to I, I can't resist. I really think it has to do with simply the transactional nature of leadership development today, right? Organizations feel like they should be investing in it. Leaders want it because they want to advance their careers and yeah. they want their employer to pay for it. But they don't they're they're not asked to and they're not expected to give thought to how do we get value out of this investment beyond a shift in behavior. Beyond, you know, it must be working because he's yelling at people less. You know, beyond those kind of superficial, um, qualitative metrics, how do we get beyond that so that we can treat leadership development as a strategic investment, not just in the near term, but in the long-term development of the organization and its people, its leaders and people? It's awesome. You got to take the whole journey, right? It's it's not piecemeal. It's not, you know, coming in and, and having a speaker for your employee meeting. Um, it's not just, yeah, like you said, one person getting coaching. You know, all of these have been debunked from the leading voices in how adults grow and develop. Robert Keegan comes to mind, his book in Everyone Culture, to McKinsey, uh, to the article that you sent me, we were just talking about earlier today. That was another McKinsey right. article. It's all over the place. It is, it is a well thought out, intentional process that delivers the full impact of the results. And and we see these little blips that happen. You know, you bring in a speaker, and there's one thing that, you, you little blips, but it doesn't ever get to this compounding impact where, like we see when we journey with someone for years and help them. Right top to bottom on this whole approach. Right, right. So let's jump in then to the next uh, components that we have to be thinking about here. Um, what, are the, what are the obvious elements that most of us forget? Uh, and I think the word that you used earlier in advance of the show is a great word, this idea of context, right? But we have to define mm-hmm. the context, right? We started off by thinking about a definition, a new definition of success, meaningful success, a shared success, and how that can create a framework uh, for the organization. But then let's think about the leader's role, Mm. right? So let's think about role, the responsibilities of the role. Is the leadership development program aligned with the expectations that we have or the responsibilities that will be given to the leader 
in their role? Or is this leadership development um, program going to be generic and general and not connect back to the, the leader's responsibilities? Because if it doesn't connect to the responsibilities, then we miss out on the third component. It won't connect to the goals that are assigned to the role, the goals that those responsibilities are designed to deliver on. And then thirdly, we have to be thinking about um, the mindset Mm -hmm. or the role identity of the individual in that role. Mm. There has to be alignment between the leader, who they they are, who they see themselves as, as, how they naturally and, and naturally show up, how they have been adapted as a leader to the responsibilities and the goals set by that role. Those three components have to be lined up. One, to make sure that we're delivering on that promise of meaningful success, but two, to make sure that the leadership development program, um, uh, the expectations are built for that program to deliver on very specific, measurable deliverables that are going to be meaningful to the organization. And and what what you just laid out there is so hard and difficult for most organizations that how do they deal with it in reality? Copy and paste content. Someone in HR, not demonizing them, they got a ton to do, copies and pastes things into job requirements and role descriptions and... And it, it's because it is so hard. Right. If only there was a simple way. <laughs> right. And, and that's what's so exciting for me because it's not only what we've come to is this whole journey we take people on, but it's the parts and pieces that are so, skip, that are so often skipped over. Because right. doing that kind of work, aligning a role, fit, and description like that, to the overall meaningful success of the company right. and the metrics they're measuring, what does that do? That reduces so much right. confusion, disorientation. People know where they fit and they feel value in that and they feel impact in that and they know what to do. Right, right. Right, so to your point, um, we're not just bringing up a challenge, we're also talking about our experience delivering on, the, on this challenge and solving this challenge for our clients. And uh, what's exciting about this is that We've moved from research phase to actual delivery phase, mm. and we've had several meaningful successes with organizations. And we're just learning now how to kind of articulate what we're what we're discovering as we apply these principles in practice inside real organizations that are going through mergers and acquisitions. They're going through um, significant growth spurts. They're looking for new markets. They're facing the um, daunting task of doubling or tripling the size of their business, the revenue that they generate um, much more rapidly than their peers in the organ- in the in their industry, which would by definition make them a growth company. So we're we're practicing this uh, in the shit, right? We're doing mm-hmm. this um, in real time in these organizations, and I think one of the things that we've come to is this interesting realization about people, right? We've found um, initially, based on the assessments that we're using, which are proprietary to our organization, um, and the impact of applying the data, the analysis to the organization, that there are really four types of 
um, identities or role identities that we're working with here. Uh, you have leaders that are, we would call scalers. We have leaders that are builders. We have leaders who are protectors. And we have leaders who are drifters. Mm. Uh, and what's interesting is when you think about the role identity of that, uh, the role identity that somebody might have, it it um, is part and parcel of all the things we've discussed, right? What is what is the mindset that you bring to the role? In other words, what is your role identity? Who are you in that role? Uh, it t- talks about the requirements of the role, and it looks at the goals or expectations of the role. And we think about all three of those things combined, and, there, and what we've recognized is that there must be a fit between the leader and those three components so that we can create a seamless uh, alignment back to the organization's definition of meaningful success. And if we can do that, then we know the leadership development program we implement is going to be well aligned with the organization. And we're going to be starting with the end in mind. We'll be beginning that program with the expectation that we will deliver measurable impact for the organization. Mm. And when you when you have these work identities, if you will, in front of you, and you can see them, mm-hmm. and see it is literally dialing in two pieces to allow someone to be at the place that they offer the most promise to the organization, that they are the most fulfilled, um, it, it really does take something that has been made overly complex and simplifies it. It's not mm-hmm. reductionistic. It's not a simplification that does not appreciate all the complexity of the unique individuals of who people are, the wild variance of cultures and businesses and organizations and all the things that you could imagine trying to bring that into a, a, a datatized white lab coat scientific environment. Well, these two variables, whatever the environment is, whatever the situation, having seen it played out in different companies and continents, uh, different continents across the world, it is true that these two can be, uh, you know, dialed in in such a way that now somebody gets to be that scaler. Right, right, right. So the two variables, we think about whether you're high fit or low fit to a role, or whether you're high flex or low flex as a, as a, as a leader. What's interesting about this high fit and high flex. So high fit, it really speaks to your natural DNA, your natural fit to the role. High flex speaks to your how adaptive you are, how adaptive you can be within that role. So scalers um, are they are absolutely the right person for the right role, but they're also they also have this uh, adaptability that makes them uh, continuous learners. And so what's interesting is that they they are bringing the energy to their role and bringing that scalability to their role, which then translates to the organization. So they end up leading organizations to where the organization ultimately wants to be. They're not sitting back and waiting. They're not taking orders. They're not taking commands. They're actually doing the hard work and, and advancing the organization, which is, which is phenomenal. Yeah, which is, it's the most fun when the organization has those people unleashed. You are right. in a place where, hey, every success, survival, and failure all have their own set of problems, but success right. problems are way more right. fun. Right, so you've got this person in the right role, and they are bringing everything they can to that role. What's interesting is 
the builder. And I know that scaler and builder sounds similar, but a builder is somebody who is, in, who is um, highly flexible. Um, correct, correct. Help me out here, Chris. Yeah, the yeah. builder is somebody who is more like the generalist, correct? Yeah. Well, the builder is in a place that they've got low fit. So they're not uh, in a spot where they've really got the role dialed in for where they need to be. Mm-hmm. But, but they're wildly flexible. They have an adaptability. So what right. happens, though, is that that masks um, really what is their highest stage of growth. The person that has that low fit, if they can move into high fit, then they benefit from that law of leadership that says the secret to concentration is elimination. They, they right. are like a laser right. and they get zeroed in. Right. So what's interesting about the generalists, just from my personal experience, is these are folks, if they're, if they're in the, if their fit is an ideal, they make up for it by their adaptability. Yes. Uh, and what can, what, can, what can trick their boss or the person they respond to or the person who has kind of put them in that role uh, is the idea that they, they can look satisfied, they can look happy, they can look fulfilled because they're meeting their personal desire to learn a lot. But what ends up happening is they become a jack of all trades and master of none. And over time, that lack of fit becomes more prominent for them than just the fact that they're learning lots of stuff and doing a, a good job. And so what can end up, end up happening is leaders can look at these people and actually and actually uh, drop more stuff on top of them, right? Expand their roles more and more, which minimizes their fit, forces them to be more adaptable, and they can actually get burned out. Exactly. Uh, Thank you for describing my twenties, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. But what you know, and that's what it's like to be an entrepreneur to mm-hmm. a large degree, until we recognize the value of specialization. And so what ends up happening is that generalist is really well positioned to become a scaler as we allow them to specialize in an area that is highly suited for who they are naturally. And so now what they can do is they can apply that adaptive nature and go deep into the role, deep into their specialty, and and really um, and really provide the organization with a multiplier effect on their performance. Yeah, and what's crazy is, you know, as much as we've talked through this, people that are listening, this is happening live, right? We're doing this. And and even that articulation, it's like a jewel. You could turn the jewel. We know how to talk about it from 57 angles. And then a 58th or 59th or 60th angle appears. And they're all true. They're just different. So, Jimmy, what's so powerful about what you're saying there, too, is the opposite is true. The opposite side of that coin, you think about it this way. When right. somebody's fit is ideal... They can make up for that with a lack of adaptability. Right, right, right. Which is, you know, how many times have we worked with organizations where there is a person who is competent, right, but brings a rigidity of attitude or approach? Right. Man, dang it. Now I'm inspired at another level. Right. And that's, and that's, Mm -hmm the identity that we refer to as the protector. So exactly. this is somebody that the leader of the organization might look at this person as really effective in their role. And they might want more for this person than this person can actually give them because this person is so set in their ways that they really don't want more. 
Uh, now, what oftentimes happens is people, these people are high performers in their role and we want to reward them or they want to advance their career. And so they seek a higher level of leadership in the organization. Mm. And we think it's a natural that because we are, as, as leaders, we might think of ourselves as highly adaptive and might assume everyone is and not see the rigidity in this individual. And then what ends up happening, we promote them to a level of incompetence Right, that creates more problems than they're worth. And, and at the end of the day, we lose the opportunity to, to demote that and put them back where they were. They end up having to leave and go find happiness somewhere else. Totally. Totally. This is, the, yeah. this, this is why I'm so excited to get this matrix in front of as many people as we can. Because, I mean, I'm experiencing this live in real time. Just like, wow, yeah, there's so many people that we've had conversations with over the years that... This datatizes what you know if you're right. paying attention to your gut. Um, right. and, and some right. leaders are doing that in a good way and some aren't. So by datatize, you mean it actually validates what your gut is telling you or what your gut should be telling you, right? But the, the challenge with gut reactions is um, they're, we just can't follow them uh, because we don't know which gut to listen to. So the data helps and the analysis helps for sure. Totally. And measuring, and the, you know, yes, yeah. everything you're saying, but but also the measurement tools we use to put it on paper, plot it on a map. Yep. Put it on paper and provide some data that you can leverage as a legacy. So mm -hmm. you can now track decisions against that data and actually start improving the decision making that you're that you're engaging in improving the decisions you make about who you put where mm -hmm. and how you reward them and how you develop them. Mm -hmm. And so what's the fourth, uh, the fourth um, mindset or identity? Drifter. The, the drifter. Low And so this is fit. somebody? Go ahead. Yeah, low fit, low adaptability. Uh, and so they are, they are searching, you know. It's, it's the person who goes to their boss and is like, I'm not happy, I'm not fulfilled. And, and I think I'm going to go somewhere else. And the boss goes, well, what do you want? And they can't articulate it. Right, right. They can't articulate it because they don't know. And that's no shame for them. It just means they haven't been introduced to a way of approaching this or thinking through this or measuring this that they can figure out, ah, I, I need to get fit yeah. and I need to get adaptability. And the question for me really is, how do these people get hired in the first place, right? So this is another, <laughs> this is another place where gut reaction in the hiring manager can really be a disservice for the organization. Yeah. Because we can meet somebody who has all the prerequisites, all the skills, all the experiences. They should be effective in this role. And we put them there and they're not. And we can't figure it out. And what we do is we allow them to sit there or stay there. Uh, hoping that they will figure it out. And what we end up doing is demoralizing the team, um, having lower productivity, and really being viewed as somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're doing. When in fact, we should never have made that decision in the first place. And if you had leveraged the data in the way I think, Chris, that you're talking about, that decision would have been easier to make. Mm -hmm. The no decision would have been easier to make. And so the idea here too is, is if you make a decision like that that's not ideal, you want to undo that decision as quickly as possible. So you want to, you also, you want to ideally not make that hire, but when you make the wrong hire, you want to be able to make that shift confidently as quickly as possible. Yeah, because the longer you stay there, the worse it's going to be. 
Right. I mean, it just, oh man, I, I could feel something in my stomach with that just because you see it happen all the time. Well, I understand why you, why you don't make that change because you're not sure. Is it adaptability or fit? Well, now we can help you know. Right. It might be both. So it's a great model. For the drifter. Yeah, it's a great model. And at the end of the day, what's really cool about the model is that we're leveraging it not just to give you some insight into the role identity of the people that are on your team, um, not just to select the ideal leadership development program, but we're using it to make sure that the alignment for the organization, so the, re- the requirements of the role, the expectations or goals that are defined in the role are all lined up with the strategic expectations of the organization and the ultimate definition of meaningful success, that shared success, that, that, sh- that success that's shared between the organization and the leaders. And, and uh, when you can do that, you can develop a model that moves from soft qualitative insights into how we're achieving success for the organization to hard quantitative insights that over time make you smarter and smarter about the moves you make and the investments you make in your leadership team and the organization as a whole. Healthy leaders, scalable teams, growth cultures. Let's go. Nothing more I can say, man. I'm sure we'll talk more about this moving forward. Uh, anybody, ha- If anybody has any questions, hit us up. Our contact information are, will uh, be uh, uh, shared in the credits. In the meantime, Chris, take good care of you. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S Group. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, Shift.com. Peace.